Well, uh, welcome everybody. I think I've got a chance to meet you all over there. Um, my name is Andy Nugent. I'm the Vice Chair and Clinical Director. And this is my chance to uh, help you learn the ETC clinical operation a little bit better and uh, hopefully uh, survive down there. And you won't have me uh, coming after you about charts or anything else if you uh, listen here. So um, feel free to shout out questions at any time. This is supposed to be an interactive kind of thing. Um, sometimes I tend to go a little quick. So tell me to slow down if I need to as well. Okay? Okay. So a few things we're going to cover in the emergency room. How to manage an electronic grease board, which by itself is, could be a two-hour lecture. We're just going to kind of go over the basics here. You'll learn it kind of as you, as you go on the fly. Um, big part about this talk is going to be the documentation part. And any part of the emergency department, any, any emergency department in the country is really lifeblood is that money coming in. And I don't want to sound like I'm completely money-hungry, driven to squeeze every last nickel out of every patient that comes through. But many times I am. That's my job. So. <laughs> Um, we'll talk a little bit about IPR and how to use it. I know you've already had an IPR orientation. Um, this is more specifically toward how we use it down in the emergency room and how to get into our documents and then just general how to get stuff done. So the first rule is that uh, the interns generally do about 200 shifts or 200 hours. 200 shifts would be a lot, huh? Uh, <laughs> too late. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, that will kind of go up and down a little bit. In February, I'm probably not going to make it to 200 clinical hours. There's only 28 days. So it's a, uh, it really depends on what the needs are for that month. The maximum is going to be 200 hours. Uh, you know, in months where there's only one of you and a bunch of rotators, count on doing the 200 hours. If there's a couple of you, I'll probably cut it back a little bit. Um, whenever we do the scheduling, I can screw this up or you guys can just screw this up through trades, but just remember we have to follow all the ACGME rules because we get in trouble. So you can't work 30 hours in a row, you can't work eight days in a row, you can't work you know, four nights and then two days or immediately follow after, that kind of stuff. And uh, since I don't know all the rules as well as I should, listen to your uh, residency coordinator <laughs> to keep us out of trouble. Um, one thing I really am supposed to be able to do for you is keep you available for the Thursday morning EM conferences. If you are scheduled on the, the morning of the Thursday, it means you're supposed to come up here first, uh, the conferences. Uh, from the 7 to 12 or whenever the conferences are, you're supposed to be in conference and then come down uh, to the ETC afterwards. So that's a short shift. So if you get that one, lucky you, you only have to work for about two or three hours afterwards. Uh, any trades, you can trade uh, with your, amongst yourselves. You can trade with the rotating residents. Uh, don't trade with the senior residents. This doesn't apply to you deep in here. <laughs> you can trade with the senior residents all you want. Um, the senior residents can't trade with you guys either. Uh, and the reason we keep that is the schedule separate. Um, they've got a little bit more responsibility as far as what we expect out of them. We want you guys to, to learn emergency medicine this year, not necessarily move the meat. Meat movers are the upper levels. Okay. And then that's just kind of one of my rules. If you can get there five minutes early, great. They're always going to be doing charts afterwards, so don't plan on you know going right to a ball game immediately afterwards. It's hardly ever going to happen. And then uh, as far as charts go, uh, have your chart dictated and on the system within 24 hours and then signed within three days, okay? Uh, but 24 hours to have something on the computer is, is kind of the minimum. And then uh, as far as roles go, and I was just kind of hinting at this, uh, the, the EM residents, the senior guys, uh, Brandon, Ken, and all that class, they're the ones that really are going to run things down there. Uh, I'm just kind of in there to get in their way. 
and uh, they'll assign patients to you if they think you're not seeing enough. Um, my job actually the first couple months is to keep them from assigning too many to you. <laughs> and as you get closer to uh, December or January, we're going to start pumping things up a little bit. You'll be seeing a few more patients and be expected to carry a bigger load. But for now, just learn the medicine part of it and we'll worry about efficiency later. Uh, the trauma cases, uh, I don't know if this has been brought up to you, but the airway stuff, the senior residents do all the airway stuff for the trauma activations. Uh, for the medical cases, they should be turning over those airways to you because they're a little bit easier. We've got a little more time to, to think about them. Those are the ones you should be learning on. And then when you get to be seniors, you'll be running all the airways for the, the trauma activations. And if you see a rotating resident running into a trauma, either go in there yourself <laughs> or uh, uh, get one of us to go see them. They really shouldn't be in there. They just mess things up. Anybody know who this is? Nah, I gotta think earlier. Maybe this might help a little bit. Recognize him now? Anybody watch this movie? Nobody watched this movie? This is like, oh. Anyway, this is the, uh, the Frank Miller adaptation of uh, uh, King Leonidas from Sparta. And the movie 300 was set in 480 BC. And what it was is the battle between Sparta and uh, Xerxes from, from the Persian Empire. You know, 300 Spartan warriors against like a million Persians. But the reason why I bring this up is not because I want you to fight off a bunch of Persians that are coming across the ocean or anything like that. Why I bring it up is that there was a very old saying in Sparta called, with your shield or on it. And that is what I'm, message I'm trying to get to you. And what that meant, uh, with your shield or on it, is that when you went to battle, they gave you the shield. If you came back on your shield, you were dead. You came back without it, that means you dropped your shield and ran away. And if you dropped your shield and ran away, you weren't welcome back in Sparta. So. EM residents should always come with their shield, come to work, or on it. it means you're half dead, we're going to see you in the emergency room, we're going to take care of you. Okay? <laughs> now, it's not as important in residency uh, that you show up dead, but when you get out in, in, uh, in, in private practice and you have eight partners and you're trying to uh, see patients, and, and if you call in sick and one of your partners has to come in, it is a huge hardship. So you might as well start good habits now is that you better be darn near dead before you call somebody in uh, sick. Now certainly I don't want you to have flu and come in and get everybody ill, uh, so we do make some exceptions, but if you got a headache or your stomach hurts, or you feel nauseating, still come in. We'll take care of it, okay? All right now we see about 40,000 years, that's 39,000 there. We admit about 10,000, which is a really high acuity. I mean, we got to keep things moving. Um, this is the new ER from above. Not as impressive now that we kind of got it closed down, but they got little flags on it. And, um, you're the first class I can honestly say we will be in the new ER before you graduate. Um, so hopefully sometime around December or January. It started in September about six months ago. We thought we were going to be in September, but now it's pushed back a little bit. Any luck, we'll be in the residency area and before that. Uh, regardless, whenever we move into the new one and get into more rooms, try to get everybody seen within 15 minutes. That's kind of the standard. If there's somebody waiting to get seen, somebody should be in there to see them. And again, first couple months, you know, take a couple breaths. You don't have to go and see everybody. That's what the senior residents are for. So the grace board, this is uh, the main means of communication in the emergency room. It's actually still fairly new, so we're adding stuff to it. So if you see something that looks like it should be added, let us know. Uh, the main jobs you guys are going to have, sign yourself up for patients, uh, help the registration staff out, uh, document on there when you got consults and orders, and then click the discharge when they're ready to go. And I'll show you those here in a second. So in order to find the grease board, this is the most important part. Have you got onto IPR yet? Have they shown you how to do it? Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> 
as long as you remember your sign-on and your, and your password, you're in good shape. We can get you through from there. So there's this area called dashboards. And on there it says ETC Greaseboard, and you should all have access to that. If you don't, I've got to fix it immediately. Uh, for all of you guys, it would probably be a good idea, and this is kind of advanced IPR. I'll show you when you're working down there. You can make the Greaseboard be the first thing that pops up, so you don't have to go to this step anymore. But uh, this is how you find it if it doesn't pop up for you. Uh, this is what you're going to see. This is actually kind of an older version of the grease board. But you have all these different columns. You have the patient, kind of gives the what's wrong with the patient, what time they checked in, how long they've been here. This was a test one, so it was, you know, 2,300 hours. If we have anybody in there 2,300 hours, I quit going home. So <laughs> um, vitals will pop up with a little heart when they have vital signs, if you can see them. You know who the nurse is. This is your column. This is my column. And then uh, we'll talk about the lab results and radiology results in a little bit, but those are now popping up on the grease board. It makes things all kind of nice so you can tell when things are done. Okay, so when the patient is uh, checked in, it's, uh, we have a separate uh, registration system. It's called IDX. That's all you need to know about it. But uh, when they're checked in, their name comes over here. They get this uh, color over there if they've been out in the waiting room. Um, if it's no color, they've been there less than 15 minutes. If it's yellow, it means they've been there... 15 to 30 minutes, and if it's red, they've been there 30 minutes. And we try hard not to get anybody out there for, for the red colors. It happens once in a while, but over 30 minutes is bad. That's why we put it red. Uh, so you always have a clock on them. You always know how long they've been here. When they put them into rooms, uh, the nurses still get the yellow color if they haven't checked in, but assign themselves in 15 minutes. We get the red immediately. <laughs> so if they've been there two minutes, you're going to have a red color there. So we want a doctor in there as fast as possible. The one thing we found on moving people through is the sooner somebody got in there and started writing orders, the sooner they got out of the emergency room, the happier they are. So that's our goal. Not to kick them out until we've uh, actually done something, but see them as fast as possible. Okay, and this is getting a little more complicated. Um, when you double click on the patient name, this box will come up. And uh, to sign yourself up, if you're signed on IPR, all you gotta do is push this little blue diamond and it'll put your name in there. If you want to put my name in there for me, I, don't know, I probably wouldn't make you do that, but you can click on the binoculars and put my name in, and that searches for the name, you can type the name in at all. Or if you forget your clip number. Um, if you have orders, this, this actually is uh, something we're working on still, but you click this little button, orders place. Uh, the nurses still kind of ignore it, but we're trying to get them to use it. <laughs> so if you have orders and put them in the box, and that's kind of one way we can figure out that there's orders to do. I probably have another slide on that anyway. Uh, if you want to leave a message uh, for the nurse, like start an IV or take the IV out or I think I'm going to admit this patient, that's what the comment section is for. It's, uh, you'd be surprised at how good that communication actually works. Uh, it sounds kind of like, oh, I'm, I, I know I'm going to admit him, but let the nurse know. and you know, They can see up here, oh yeah, I'm going to admit him to internal medicine or something. Um, and then you can put the, the, who are your consulting down here as well. So we like to know that because when we go back later and say, who did we call, I'll say, oh yeah, we called neurosurgery at uh, 1,400 hours and we can and figure out that they were a little late coming down. So the console button, comment section, use those for communication. Uh, when you're going to discharge somebody, this color shows up, this light blue. It's the same box that you had before. I don't know if it shows up. You see up here, it says discharge. You click that, it time marks it when you discharge and then it goes to this light blue color, so then the nurses know you've discharged them and they can clean the room. Now we used to say, don't touch it after that, because then they would be erased from the grease board forever, but now we have a way to recover it. So you can, you can erase them if you want, that's no problem. 
Um, this is what the, the newer version of it looks like because the things have changed a little bit. But they've got all these uh, buttons for registration. Once you've seen a patient, um, that means they can go in there and get the, the insurance information. And it's helpful the registration staff kind of speeds things up. If you think about it, it needs to be registered up here, and then they'll go take care of it. Um, because all they get when they first come in the, in the door is name, rank, serial number, and who your primary care doctor is, I think. So. This stuff is the same. Uh, what's changed is the disposition, and that comes from the bed board. If you call to get somebody admitted to the hospital and they're going to go to 6 Roy Carver or whatever uh, floor, it'll, they'll pop up here first pending, and then it'll come 6 Roy, Roy Carver East or West, so the nurses know where to send the patient. It's actually been very helpful. That just added probably that a month ago. That's the most recent thing. And I think that's about it. There's a legend on the uh, IPR itself, a little button that says legend. It explains what all these little details are. So if you don't get it all now, that's fine. You can pick it up later. Uh, uh, any open orders you have will be over here too. Uh, it's kind of a hard way to find out about the orders. but. Uh, I actually do not have um, a screenshot of this, but the lab and, and x-rays now, if there's a, um, a little a man, stick figure man there with a black outline, that means it's been an ordered. If it's uh, just the little stick man, then that means the order's done and on the computer for you. Uh, same thing with CT. It'll say CT with black outline means it's been ordered. CT, just black CT with a white outline is, is, is done. And the labs will show a little blue graph on it uh, it looks like a little checker square. Those are ones that have been checked in to the lab but haven't been run and then once they have the little green mark on them, those are labs that are finished. So you know you've got 45 labs that are done and basically that means you've had a CBC with 15 different things attached to it. <laughs> but it, it'll look impressive because it looks like there's 65 labs that are done. It'd be like a CBC in any way. So. So just overall the grease board, if you come in the, in the middle of the emergency room and you wanted to see where you're at right when you start your shift, you, know, you got three people in the waiting room. They've been waiting for 30 minutes, and Dr. Nugent's probably getting upset about that. You got three people that need to be seen like immediately. Um, so look for those charts and go see them. As long as everybody keeps up on the grease board, everybody kind of can follow along, and we know where everything's going. Well, I, I put this on here uh, to show you when you right-click on a patient's name. This is the box that comes up, and these are kind of some quick jumps to get to things. So you can go right to the contact summary, which is the documentation area. You can get to uh, the old documents if you want to see the old chart. Now that everybody's online, you can see everything. Uh, go right to the labs. You can go right to the radiology. You can go right to your vitals. And now there's another one that says print patient stickers. So if you need more stickers for whatever reason, you can do that. Uh, it's kind of a quick way to jump around and do things. And it's been pretty popular since we were able to put that on. So those are, again, the big functions that I want you to remember, OK? <laughs> You'll notice that every talk I ever do, I'm going to do it like a military thing. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to show you, and I'm going to tell you. So, Okay. So now let's forget about all the altruistic reasons you became a doctor. This is my favorite part of the talk. Um, mainly because we've got to pay for grease boards, and we've got to pay for new ERs, and we've got to pay for lights, and we've got to pay for resident salaries. Probably not that much, but we've still got to pay for them. So this is how we do it. So ETC documentation. There are three parts of the ER record. First is the HPI. Uh, the second is a physical exam, the third is medical decision making. We'll take each of these in turn here. Okay, so let's talk about the HPI first. And uh, there's three parts to this. There's the, uh, the features of the chief complaint, the review of systems, and then there's the past uh, medical history, family history, social history. First of all, the chief complaint. 
whatever's causing the most distress to the patient. Now, in emergency medicine, you're going to have people come in with five different complaints. Uh, but what we're looking for, this is a good, episode, good example here, they cut their finger, they passed out. The most important chief complaint there is that they passed out. That's the one probably causing the most long-term damage. You know, finger is cut, big deal. But uh, if they come in with chest pain and foot pain, you're going to worry about the chest pain first. And believe me, it comes in a lot of times. They've got six months of chest pain and three years of foot pain. They want you to address both of them. So. You may remember this from medical school. There are eight features of the chief complaint, the HPI. Uh, onset location, intensity, quality, timing, context, associated symptoms, and modifying factors. Onset is uh, not where it started, but when it started, 8 a.m. Location is not um, you know, where it happened, you know, the Bijou Theater or the hy V. It's right arm, left arm, neck, that sort of thing. Intensity is the easiest one. That's mild, moderate, severe. You should almost always have that in any of your, any of your charts. Uh, quality describes the symptoms. Is it sharp? Is it crampy? Is it burning? Is it whatever? Uh, timing, getting better, getting worse, staying the same. Uh, context is kind of the most difficult one. Uh, it's really things that lead to the causation of the symptom. So I was in a car accident, I wasn't wearing a seat belt and rolled my car and hit my head on the floor, uh, windshield. That's context. Uh, I had a surgery yesterday and now my abdomen hurts. That's context. Those sort of things. Associated symptoms would be anything, including your review of systems and the chief complaint associated with it. Fever, chills, vomiting, that sort of thing. And then modifying factors, I took six Tylenol and I feel worse. So I have four of these on every chart. Uh, if you're doing a med refill or whatever, suture removal, that's okay, you don't have those. But if you get four of eight, then you're guaranteed that you'll always at least be able to do the maximum charge. Not that we do the maximum charge on every chart. We want to have the ability just in case it turns into one of those charts that gets admitted to the hospital. Now there is an exception to this. Somebody will come in, they're unconscious, uh, they're fighting you, they're agitated, they're altered mental status, they can't give you an HPI. What Medicare allows you to do is say, I can't get an HPI because of X, because they're altered mental status, because they're six months old and nobody's with them and can't give me a history. If you do that, it gives you an automatic level five on any chart you do. Now the exception to that, or the, the big thing to remember with that is that if EMS gives you any history, if you have history in your chart, you have to include whatever you can find. You can't just say, no history obtainable, you know, but EMS probably maybe give you six, seven elements of the history. You still got to put those down. If family's there, you should get history from the family. Uh, moving on to review of systems. This is the one where it kills everybody when it comes to billing. Because what they'll do is they'll put a patient at fever, chills, vomiting, and then they'll leave it. Now, in order to get the maximum bill on a review of systems, you need to cover 10 systems. Now, it's really, really difficult to sit there and do 10 systems and try to make sure that you've got all 10 of them on your chart. Fortunately, uh, Medicare lets you do some stuff. See this bottom line? All other systems reviewed and otherwise negative. So, it, in our system, what I want you to do is do three different systems. So, you've got chest pain, shortened breath, fever. If you asked all the questions and you say, you know, do you have anything else? If you reviewed all the systems, you can put that, that in there. You're done charting. It saves you a little bit of time. And that'll cover it. If you don't put that little quote there, then they'll count the number of systems you have, and that's a, the limit of your chart. Uh, later on, I'll give you a whole talk on 
billing, coding, documentation. It'll kind of be a little more in depth on what that is, but that's more than enough for today. Uh, like I said, that easiest part: past medical history, social, family history. This is almost on the system for almost everybody. Make sure you get two of the three. No, no medical history, smoker. It'll cover it for most people. If you're going to do a chest pain, ask them if anybody in their family has ever died of cardiac disease before the age of 40, 50. Make sure you put that in the family history. Uh, so quick review. Always have four elements of the chief complaint in your HPI. Always have 10 systems reviewed or use the shortcut. Always have two of the three past family social history on your chart. Physical exam, evaluate and document eight systems. You should do that on every chart. Just get in the habit of doing that. Um, as you get older and you've been doing this a few more times, you realize that you can do an entire physical exam without touching a patient. But uh, I prefer you guys do the full physical exam <laughs> and look at them, okay? Um, the medical decision making is where our coders make their living, so you don't really have to worry about this yet, and I'll explain this in further talks in your residency. But uh, to make their lives a little bit easier, make sure you document the lab results, EKG interpretation, uh, anything that comes from the radiologist. This is really important because we have radiology residents, so make sure you document what they told you, not what comes up in the chart three days later, because it may be a big difference. It'll keep you out of trouble. Uh, if you did any consultations or you looked at the, the old charts, make sure you document that as well, because it's all helpful. Uh, in the end when we decide what kind of a bill and how much work we did in order to take care of that patient. If it's your interpretation, then you write it as your interpretation. Because sometimes they're, they're just being dogs and you won't see it for six hours. And so I'll say chest x-ray per my read. And uh, what that allows you, and it's kind of in depth for this talk, is that there's a point system with medical decision making. If you did the reading on the x-ray, then it's actually worth three points. If you took the reading from the radiologist, it's only worth one. Uh, ED course, uh, not so much related to billing, but this is the most important medical legal aspect of things. There's a, a section in our chart called the ED course. Document everything you did. Uh, you know, if you gave them two milligrams of morphine, they said their pain got better, that's where you should put it. If you called neurosurgery and neurosurgery came down, took them to the OR, put that in there. Uh, if you rule out appendicitis and cholecystitis and diverticulitis and all this stuff from your differential that Dr. Weiss was talking about, and you ruled them out, this is where it goes. So the more you write in there, actually the better. Um, and just not drag on, run on sentences. I could show you some of Dr. Sowers and Dr. Brownell's notes that are kind of go on for days, but, um, but the important stuff, you know, what you did and why you did it. It's also helpful to your colleagues up on the floor. This is one of the main reasons we went to uh, online documentation. So we would see patients in the emergency room, we'd give them a whole bunch of medicines, we'd get them tuned up. People on the floor had no idea what was going on. So if you can put that on there, that'll be very helpful to your colleagues. So let's talk a little bit about IPR. Um, what I do not want you to do is start dictating day one. Get used to the system first. So about December or so, you know, that's about the time everybody starts learning from their colleagues on, on how to dictate. And I can certainly do a talk on it, but uh, try to do it without the dictation part to start with. Because number one, you're, you're a little bit slower at the beginning of your residency, and I want you, again, to learn the medicine, not learn how to move the meat so much. So take the time, do the note, use the computers that don't have the dictation on them so the people that are really going to have to move people can use those. So again, signing on to IPR. Select the patient. You can get them off the grease board. Just double click on go to that uh, contact summary. That's the easiest way, but if you want to do it the hard way, put their number and name in, 
Go to Contact Summary, Create, Edit, Sign, View. Now we have a whole bunch more document types now because all the nursing documents are in here. But the very first one that always pops up is Emergency Service Record. And this is the one we're always going to use. Um, this is what I described earlier. Add yourself as initial reviewer. If you know who the staff is, put them as the final. Once you figure out who the staff is, put them in. because That'll kind of keep track of everything for everybody. Everybody has to be staffed. You can't see anybody on your own. You can't put yourself as final reviewer. Uh, unless it's for a homegoing document. That's another talk for another day. Um, to start this, uh, we have some templates that you can use to kind of make things easier the first few shifts that you're working, especially for the rotating residents these are set up for. But if you click on Chief Complaint, this box comes up, and the first thing it says, Run Form Chief Complaint. And that's the one you're going to be looking for. And, uh, when you get down to the emergency room for the first time, have somebody show you how to do this. Um, it's going to be kind of difficult. I mean, if we talk about a bunch of stuff here, I'll send you the, the orientation again, the email so you can look at it, but uh, you know, this is still going to be hard. I'll be happy to show you at any time. So you, you'll, run, you'll run the form, and this is the first thing that will come up. And there's that Medicare statement, is it, is it limited? So it kind of save you some pain. If it's limited by a mental status or acuity, patient age, you can click that. It'll put that in the chart for you. And then I've got a whole bunch of different uh, complaint types. So abdominal um, pain, chest pain, those are kind of the most common ones. But if you click on those, it'll get you to a template, point and click, that'll let you fill out the chart, the HPI review systems, and physical exam. Still going to have to do the past history, social history, uh, mainly because I didn't want to put 15 million buttons in there for you to click. But uh, it goes pretty quick. So some shortcuts you can take. There's a little blue diamond you can't see. It looks like a T with a diamond in it. It stands for templates. So you can add templates to this. Oops, where am I at here? If you go over here, there's one that says normal HPI, or HPI and basically it'll bring over a, a list of those eight things. Onset, intensity, location. And you can pick and choose which one you want to fill in. You just want to do that rather than go through all the templates. There's a normal physical exam. This is a completely normal physical exam. You pull over for eight, ten systems. You can change the ones that are, uh, are uh, positive. So if it, everything's normal except the abdominal pain, you can just change the abdominal pain. Kind of speeds things up a little bit. There's a trauma physical exam, which I've never used. That was Dr. Russie's. Do so. you use those? Yeah, I like the templates too. So you really don't have to. You really don't have to dictate that much when you get down to it. Huh? I don't dictate it at all because I hate losing things. And uh, this is that template I was talking about. I'll bring that over if you just want to fill it in, erase the stuff you don't want. Uh, you can fill those out pretty quick actually when, when you start doing it, especially if you're not sure how to document things. You got some guy with an eight-year history of abdominal pain, and you come over and you just start filling these out. It goes pretty quick if you. No, no. If you do the templates, you don't have to do this step. This is, this is an alternative. Oh, okay, okay. So I've, I've built lots of different alternatives into the system. Okay. So you can dictate, you can type it, you can use one of these templates, you can use the form. So there's at least four different ways of doing the chart. Okay. And it's just up to everybody to decide, you know, throughout the course of your residency what works best for you. Okay. Me, I just type it all out because it goes faster. But. So what happens when IPR is down? <laughs> this is the time to scream. So that's <laughs> Um, if IDX down, it's not so bad. When IPR is down, everything goes down. The grease board goes down, the labs go down, the radiology goes down. You can't chart on anybody. You can't register anybody. Whew. Uh, we do get everybody registered using kind of dummy numbers, and we reconcile those later. 
um, you guys all have a clip that you can use and there's dictation instructions that uh, are posted in the ER and I'm going to have them on the internet site that we're going to develop here hopefully in the next couple weeks. But uh, so don't panic. You can use the phone to dictate. It's a lot harder because if you've never done it, uh, did you use them where, where you were at? No. The first thing you do when you get on the phone is you're like, what do I say? <laughs> and uh, after you've done about 15,000 dictations, then you're blah, 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 and you get all done. But uh, um, you'll freeze the first time you do it. But um, hopefully you won't have to do it much. The IPR is not supposed to go down. We're going to switch to uh, a new system from Epic probably within the next 18 months. That'll make this a, a non-issue. But uh, if you do need to dictate, go take a look at the instructions. It'll walk you through it. And then just try to remember how you did it, the eight things, the review of systems, pastors through social history, family history, just like you would have done on, on a regular chart. And once you get your brain organized that way, even if you go to a system where you have to use a phone like St. Luke's, you'll, you'll keep that maximum bill in mind while you're doing these things. And the coders will love you. Uh, X-ray CTs and everything is ordered on, online on IPR. Um, I'm going to show you a little bit here, but for the most part, we're going to have to show you down in the ER. It's just so hard just to kind of give you a talk and say, oh, yeah, go do it. Um, it's kind of, yeah, here's how to run a tank. Go, go run it. So, um, But anyway, uh, labs should be ordered online now as much as you can. Yeah, we have a, there's a drawer uh, in, in the ER where all the old paper stuff is. And you'll notice the surgeons are always poking through there trying to find stuff because they don't, they think they're too good to do this, but um, everybody really should do stuff online. It makes it so much easier to track things down later. It's, you know, if you're like me, you can't write legibly. It's, it's, a, it's a way to get things taken care of. All the prescriptions absolutely need to be written online, and, and because of the Joint Commission requirements, we've got to keep the outpatient medication list ac updated and accurate. And the only way to do that is to write them all online. Um, I put this on here so you can see how to uh, do the orders here. So first thing you do is you get to, uh, if, you, if you're on your documentation, the create, edit thing, you'll notice that there's all these tabs across, and one of the tabs is e-order, so you can just bump across and go from documentation to e-orders. Let me show you the, if you're here and you're doing your chart, see this documentation, e-orders is over here. So it's really easy to flip back and forth between them. The prescriptions are actually here as well, meds, allergy, immunizations. Um, if you want to see the vital signs, it's on the nursing stuff. Um, some of that stuff you don't have to worry about. It's uh, there for other people. So anyway, uh, if you're going to do labs, you've got to draw over a diagnosis. And this is, a, again, a Medicare requirement. You've got to associate all your labs with the diagnosis. Uh, I've put a bunch of things over there. They're not really limited like this anymore, but um, they're by system. So it says a, a GI, it says respiratory, cardiac. So just kind of get a general idea what it is. Uh, everybody comes in with a, a very vague general complaint, so I try to keep these things very vague and general at the beginning. So abdominal pain generalized or abdominal pain unspecified site, that works for anything basically from here to here. And don't worry about trying to find cholecystitis or colic or anything like that. Just say abdominal pain and that way you got your diagnosis. Then you're gonna uh, drag over a lab that's associated with it. If you want a CBC, drag it over, just drop it right on Donald Payne. And then it pops up over here. What this little X means is you still got to sign it. Now the nurses will do this for you occasionally. Uh, they have order sets. I don't have them up here, but uh, they'll drag over the belly pain order set or the chest pain order set. 
it'll show up in your box and uh, you'll have all these little X's you have to sign off. But that's a good thing because then means the labs are already sent. So they did their work for you. Uh, they'll all print out uh, the printer and it's right next to where the staff doctor usually sits. And don't be afraid to kick the staff doctor out of there if you need to do dic dictation or charting, especially further down in your career. Um, maybe not the first day, but you know, but uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it's a trigger and Philbeck have no problems telling me where to go. But um, <laughs> um, there's a few uh, diagnoses, like I said, the chest pain, the belly pain, all the neurosurgery stuff that we do. They got order sets, and you just pull over the whole thing over. It's got the diagnosis with it, makes things a lot quicker. Um, make sure the nurses know about your orders. That's kind of one of the big communication things, and. Uh, there's no verbal orders that are allowed in the, uh, in the ER unless it's like an immediate cardiac resuscitation. So don't... Place that box. What's that? Yeah, you can do that and then put them in the, in the box. And we're, we're working on the processes all the time. And the first thing you'll notice when you work down there is the thing is horribly disorganized. And it's because we've been fighting 30 years of culture and I've only been able to, you know, cure about 10 years of it so far. So we're working on it. Um, People from outside uh, uh, emergency rooms will have about 50 CTs done or x-rays. They'll come in with a little disc and uh, you know, it's kind of hard to see them on the disc. So uh, we, used to <laughs> we, we used to do these ourselves and load them into the system. I've got the clerks to do it now. So make sure you give them to the clerk to have them do it. I want to keep that system going. <laughs> Don't try to do it yourself unless uh, you know, it's hopelessly backed up and then I can show you how to do it. But uh, that's one of those little things that make life easier for you to say, hey, can you load this for me? And then you can see it on the system, all the x-rays that were done locally. So uh, how do you get stuff done in your emergency room? It's, uh, the most important thing from my years of experience is make sure the nurse knows what's going on. Uh, the best way to do that is to go in there at the same time as the nurse when the patient comes in. Say, I'm going to order labs. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go talk to the staff. I'll probably do a CT. So they know what you're doing. Uh, the nurse will be your best friend or your worst enemy. So bring them candy, whatever you got to do. <laughs> but uh, you'd be very nice to them if they tell you to do something or they are uncomfortable with something. Listen to them. I mean, they still tell me now. You know, I'm not very comfortable with that. And I'll either have uh, a scientific explanation for it and say, "Yeah, you're right. Let's do it a different way." So there's no big shame in changing your plan. Don't get stubborn. Um, keep on top of your labs and X-rays. Make sure that uh, when things get done, you act on it. So that. That hemoglobin that came back at 4.5, you're not looking for me two hours later to start blood. You're, you're ordering it and then come find me, whatever you need to do. Um, as soon as you can make a disposition, do it. What happens is if uh, you've got a belly pain patient, you've made them better, the pain's gone away, but then you go see another patient, by the time you get ready to send them home, that pain's going to be back. That's a, yeah, you're stuck for another six hours. So <laughs> um, that's kind of a bad example. But, you know, if you can send somebody home safely, then do it. If you admit them safely and uh, you can get them admitted to the floor, do that. Worry about the paperwork later. Uh, this is a new one. All discharge patients have to have a uh, list of their medications. It's a joint commission requirement. Now, I've uh, come up with a online discharge uh, instructions, which will be rolling out shortly, so I'm not going to bore you with the details on how to get there just yet. Uh, but for the moment, um, the nurses usually do this, but if you want to help them out and get in the good graces, when you're on your documentation tab and you go up where it says print forms and click that button.